listening to Show Me Your Mic, a show that interviews other podcasters about their workflows, gear, and thoughts on podcasting. Your host is Chris Enns, a podcaster who's hoping to learn more about the craft by talking to fellow broadcasters. All right, hello and welcome to episode 20 of Show Me Your Mic. I am Chris Enns, and for the... uh, What's the 20th? The double decade? I don't know what that is. Anyways, the 20th episode, I have a very special, super pumped to have him guest, Mr. Merlin Mann. Hello, Merlin. Hi, Chris. How are you this morning? I am well. Uh, it's morning here. Is it morning there? Yes, it's still morning, 11.23 as we record. You guys have mornings in Canada, right? You put a U in it? I'm sorry. That's not <laughs> it's super nice to be here. Thank you for inviting me on. Yes. And uh, this, is, this has been a surreal sort of journey with this podcast because it's a podcast about podcasting, et cetera, very meta, all that stuff. But uh, I keep sending invites to people to come on and I get requests from people to come on past guests and they keep saying yes. When I'm thinking eventually, you know, once I've done, I don't know what the number is, 50 or whatever, I feel like there should be a, a minimum Merlin level for Merlin to come onto your podcast or something like that. But anyways, I was ah. surprised you said yes. And so I'm pleased. I just didn't, wasn't prepared for you to be on this early in the episode, but I'm glad it worked out for episode 20. So welcome to the show. It's good to be here. Well, you know, self-involved people who speak to the public a lot are sometimes very difficult to reach. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got to really tease them out of their shell. Yeah. Self-involved people, they, oh, just don't like talking. <laughs> so the uh, for anybody who may not be familiar with what you do, I'm not going to do the Mike Hurley thing of making you describe it all, but where I know you from, 43folders.com was originally a site that I came across, and maybe it was MacBreak Weekly, one of the two, I forget which one came first, where you were on Leo's show, and, and then also reading 43 Folders on productivity and all sorts of fun stuff there. And more recently, you're on a little show called Back to Work with Mr. Dan Benjamin over on 5x5, and you do another show with your buddy John Roderick, Roderick on the line, who I was just listening to actually as we, I forgot to turn it off as we started chatting earlier so is that what you're listening to yeah yeah um uh i'm happy to hurley you uh i yeah I, I was the i've been doing stuff of one kind or another uh on the web on the i want to say on the internet because it used to be that to put up a web page you would you know have to telnet in or ftp in but yeah um since 1995 or six and i've done a whole bunch of different stuff but i think um my blog, Kung Fu Grip, almost caught on in 2002. It had a small following of friends. But yeah, 43 folders in 2004 was the first thing I was somewhat well-known for. And then uh, I did a podcast for that show. Um, mm, right. And I, I think I was already doing that podcast. The first, the first podcast I remember being a guest on was called Net at Night with Amber MacArthur and Leo Laporte. And... I guess it went well because um, Leo was kind enough to ask me to do more stuff. And so I ended up um, starting on, I, I forget which, but somewhere in like the first 10 or 20 episodes of MacBreak Weekly, I started becoming a regular, what, panelist, I guess. And Pundit. then we, we did, uh, we, what was that? Pundit or? Oh, God, you hurt me. You hurt me, Chris. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Oh, you know, this new technology is going to maybe be like this. I don't know. Um, you any, this is a little, we'll get into the iOS 7 discussion later. Again. Oh, God, thank you. Yeah. It's so funny you should say that. I'm looking at your website right now, um, your weblogger blog, and I'm looking at your screenshots of, uh, 
of iOS. That's my, my punditry. Mm-hmm. As you say. <laughs> As you say. Um, and then, uh, anyhow, uh, so yeah, I, I did that for a while and uh, took a break and came back. But yeah, I think the, the stuff that, I, um, that people may know from the more recent epoch is a show with Adam Lissagor and Scott Simpson called You Look Nice Today, which yeah. is uh, a three, I believe the genre is called Three White Guys Talking About Nothing. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And, um, I started doing back to work with Dan Benjamin on five by five in 2011. And that same year I started doing Roderick on the line with John Roderick. And then, you know, I, I end up, uh, not end up, I'm honored to do uh, lots of guest appearances. And uh, oddly enough, uh, he, you know, here I am talking about podcasts on a podcast about podcasting. I know it's, it's very confusing. It should be should be troubling, and yet I'm honored. So yeah, that's what I do. And I, I you know, I used to regard myself as more of a writer, and uh, I'll probably start writing at some point in the next few months or so. I'll start writing stuff and more regularly. But yeah, it's mostly what I do. I, I really like doing it. It's easy. I just come into my office and talk, and so both of those uh, are easy for me. And so it's kind of a it's in it's a good match for it's me. In your in your wheelhouse, as as they say. As you say, yeah, my, my, my wheelhouse is filthy, but um, I try to keep my seat clear. I put a fresh sheet on it sometimes, swipe the dander away, and off I go to talk way too long, just like now. But yeah, and, so I, and I enjoy podcasts. I, I listen to a fair number of podcasts as well. Yeah, and we'll get uh, that's uh, before I end the show, we'll, we'll talk about some of the, sh- the podcasts you listen to. And no, uh, you, you have to actually tell me. I think I had Dan on, Dan Benjamin on, and he didn't want to play favorites and didn't, but. I'm to happy actually, to play favorites. Yeah. That's something I like to do. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. That'd be great. I'll think about that. Okay. Um, and uh, so, yeah, let's go back to, I guess, just the idea of podcasting. And we'll sort of speak generally, like you, like you said, I love, you look nice today. I'm very sad. It's ending or ended or it is ended, right? Like there's, <laughs> that, it's, that it's in some kind of podcast hospice program right now. Yeah. You're, you're really not sure how it's going, but you soon <laughs> not well. <laughs> well, that's the bane of or most podcasts get to <laughs> not i know you guys have a, have put a lot more thought into it and it's not for lack of want i think with that show but it's actually incredibly simple which is that um <clears throat> we all really enjoy doing the show um but you know the thing that distinguishes that not to jump too far ahead but i think the thing that distinguished uh that show apart from the uh something like chemistry between the three of us and the personas that we developed on that show but also that um it's the first show I've been on on a regular basis where, you know, there's the shows that you and I do where there's a minimum of editing. There are the shows, I look at something like what, uh, you know, Jason Snell having been on The Incomparable a couple of times, which is yeah. a show on 5 by 5 about all kinds of nerd, you know, pop culture nerd stuff. Uh, elves, mostly. Uh, elves and Doctor Who, from what I can gather. But um, he, and he, having been on there twice and hearing the raw version and the edited version, you might not know that show is edited. He does such a splendid job of that. But then there's this other level that Adam, I think, has few, where Adam has few peers, which is really shaping um, the entire episode through editing, down to moving parts around, having things more cogent. Um, I don't know what the word would be, uh, ducking or staggering the tracks so it doesn't sound like I'm constantly interrupting all the time, which is an art. Um, and so, but and, and the truth is, though, he got real, uh, Adam is also known as Lonely Sandwich, um, proprietor of Sandwich Video, and he, over the past something like three years, has gotten uh, extremely busy to where he has like a staff and stuff now. So it's just really difficult because, you know, I think the truth can be told now that he would spend something like five to 12 hours uh, editing an episode. So, you know, you, get, you have a kid and a business and that kind of thing. It's hard to find the time, but we have a final episode that'll come out at some point um, that I think is pretty good. 
and I'm going to miss doing the show very, very much. It's one of my favorite things I've ever been involved with. It's almost impossible to explain to people who aren't like so much of what I do. It's hard to explain to somebody who's not already kind of a super fan, but I'm going to miss it a lot. Yeah, I think that's what uh, it speaks to Adam, in this case, Adam's ability as the editor on that show. And Jason, like you said, with incomparable, incomparable. I don't know. I can never. Anyway, it speaks to their abilities that it, they make it look so easy. Because you listen to You Look Nice Today and you're like, uh, well, they just talked and had a few drinks, made some jokes. How hard would that be? Let's, hey, buddy, let's do a podcast like that. We can be as whatever popular or funny or all that kind of stuff. And not taking away anything from you and Scott, obviously, who are you know funny guys in, their own, in your own rights. But um, yeah, the editing that he does makes the show what it is, I think, in terms of trimming and refining and, and knowing that like I, I'm I'm lucky if I Matt, remember to put an intro and an outro on most of my shows and make it you know end properly not just cut off randomly because I forgot to go check for some marker yeah. I think you're not you're not alone there I was talking to um, uh, our friend Mike Mike Hurley about this the other day and he does something I, I thought I was the only person that did this but when I'm tr- I'll go through and try to find little blips and uh, I don't worry so much about coughs on Roderick on the line or there wouldn't even be a show. But, you know, the sound of me going to the bathroom or, or mixing a drink. And so I'll, what I'll do is I'll, I'll, you know, just watch for the spots. And this is one reason I'm thinking about moving to Logic. Um, are you, You're on a Mac? I am, yeah. And do you, what, do you use GarageBand or Logic? I or use what? Logic Express uh, back when they used to make Express. But I kind of really, it's like Vim. I mean, I need to just sit down and learn it. I thought it was. I thought it was so confusing to learn. But he does that thing where it like automatically. I, I guess it's through by virtue of something like gate, but it'll knock out all the parts where there's silence, you know. And then he just goes through and like me flips jump. You just jump to the section where there's some dialogue and see if anything needs to be done to that part. And I, I, the thing is, that's a great approach if you have a lot of work to do. But it, you do also like accidentally leave in really weird stuff if if you don't go back and listen to the whole thing. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. So like for, let's, we'll just jump around. Like, so with Roderick on the line, it's just obviously you and, and John Roderick. And I didn't mean to take you off if you're... Uh, no, I don't have a, I have a rough schedule or a rough list of things to talk about, but uh, I, I, I hold very loosely to that. That's my motto with okay. questions, schedules, whatever. Life. <laughs> talk to my <laughs> wife. Um, the, uh, but yeah, when you're editing that show, you record up presumably over Skype and let's like the rest of us. The rest of us peasants, <laughs> right? Us lowly folks down here. No, but you record on Skype and and you're recording it into GarageBand. Or, and does John send you his file and you're sort of matching it up, or you just you record both ends and away you go? Um, no, and it's it's neat. I've never uh, actually gotten to talk about this. It's not super interesting, but um, yeah, you know, it's so interesting. Every show, not every show, but shows have different approaches to how they do this. And in this instance, Roderick on the line is the only one. Oh, I'm not even going to say it where I edit it. It's where it's my responsibility to take the assets, make a few decisions, and then put it out and post it. Um, you know, with You Look Nice Today, that's, you know, mostly Adam and, and Claude's job. Obviously, with the 5x5 five five shows, he has dedicated editors for that, and I just do the show notes, uh, which we can come back to because I think that's kind of an art form. Mm. But, um, yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's... Real simple. I mean, I do it in GarageBand, although I'm trying to figure out a, a, a better way to do it because I have to do some weird monkey work that I've never bothered to find out if there's an easier way to do. But no, I record uh, everything um, I call because uh, John does not understand computers and the things he does understand about computers perplex him. So I record both sides with call recorder. 
and uh, I take that uh, .mov and run it through their Apple script for splitting the two tracks. I drag the... Is this boring? No, no. This is exactly what people tune into this show okay. for. So. I mean, I don't know of a simpler process for what our show needs. Um, and I, I, you know, make a copy of the previous episode. <laughs> if you have better ways to do this, I hope you'll tell me. I make a duplicate of the previous episode, change the episode number, and then I drag John's, I drag my track into a swim lane. I drag John's track in, start this at the beginning, and then go through and um, give it a listen, find a good spot at the end, figure out where to put the bell and the outro music, drag all of that over, um, to where the theme music starts at the right point. And then, you know, sometimes I listen to the whole thing while I'm doing something else because it's easier to make the changes than go back and deal with it again. Um, <clears throat> and then I just, you know, send it to iTunes, put in the necessary metadata, um, and upload it to Squarespace. So that's pretty easy. I used to do like a ridiculous amount of show notes for Roderick on the Line, but that ended up taking twice or three times as long as recording and editing the show, so I had to let that go. But now, now every episode of Erotic on the Line is, is, looks really odd because it has a title that you probably can't understand. It's got a photo that almost certainly will make, you, will make you curious but doesn't tell you much. It's got a description that is simply the problem, colon, and then a phrase you don't understand. And if you took the time to mouse over the photo, you'd see that there's another line that makes absolutely no sense. So it's extremely difficult to get into the show on so many levels. But that process is, I, I, you know, it's hard for me to think of an easier way to do that apart from putting up a, a raw file. I don't, do, um, I don't do that program everybody likes for equalizing levels. I've got levels satis satisfactory enough to my deaf ears, levels for each of the uh, tracks for John and I. Um, used to be real bassy because I'm deaf now. I make it a little bit... I, I find a lot of podcasts too bassy because, because my hearing is poor. Um, and that's really all there is to it. And because it's the same thing with two people every time, it works really well. The quality is good enough. If I remind John to plug in everything, you know, he grubers his way through sometimes accidentally. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, you might remember that where John would forget to plug in his ethernet pretty much every week on the talk show. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, I mean, that was really rudimentary, but honestly, as little, I mean, and the thing is I could be done and as you say, bouncing that down uh, within 20 minutes after the show is over. So, you know, lately we've been recording at night. And so I'll just, I'll hang out and do something else um, while it's doing that. And I'll put it up. That's the entire thing takes, you know, uh, less than an hour for the production part. The longest part is the bouncing down and the uploading, really. And apart from that, sometimes I'll go through and edit stuff out. But I mean, when I say edit stuff out, like if there's just like a weird sound, like putting a coffee cup down, I'll take that out. But no, I, I like the fact that it's in there. If I tried to cut out John's snorts, the show would be like six minutes long. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's a few different directions to go there too. But uh, it's a it's a hilarious show. I think that folks, you, I mean, you you need to give it. It's one of those things like uh, what's a show? If you're uh, Doctor Who, I guess I, <laughs> to use one that you don't like. I can, and I, I don't. Can, I don't actually no, get. No, it's Doctor not Who. that I don't like it. No, I no. watched this. Yeah, it's one of the. Yeah, well, I'll put. I'll or say Buffy. this. Um, <laughs> I love you. I have, um, uh, I, there's a bunch of shows that I've tried to, tried to get my friends to watch just because we're comics, right? There's things that give me so much joy that I'm kind of compulsive about wanting other people to at least give it a try. It's really weird and self-involved, but like recently, um, I met somebody who hadn't seen Arrested Development and I, I was a, about to go Whoa, and recommend it. And then I thought, you know what? It really is an investment 
on a couple levels. On the one hand, you got to start with the first frame of the first episode and you've really got to watch it because the humor comes out of these funny things that if you didn't notice it the first time, it won't seem funny when there's a callback to it later. Plus, there's those little, I don't know what you call it, and these are like little, not flashbacks, but like cutaways. Mm. You know, um, you know, like when Tobias says that he, uh, he considers himself a cross between an analyst and a therapist, and they cut to his business card, and it says, Tobias Funke, an analyst, which if you think about that for a second, it looks like something very different. Mm. That's extremely funny, especially if you know Tobias's character. You know what I mean? And so yeah. I, and the point being that it's almost, it's difficult to say to people, uh, this last this season that's on right now is really good, but it'll make a lot more sense if you at least watch the last episode of the previous season. But really, like The Wire, you kind of got to watch them all. Yeah. So with our show, I struggle with that because I I would like more people to hear our show. But I I mean, apart from saying here's the episodes that I enjoy and other people seem to enjoy, there's not really a way to go. Oh, you know. Oh, now I understand it. And that's I think there's something that's unique to uh, well unique to podcasts that. I think now how to phrase this best, but your shows that you are involved with, uh, like Roderick on the Line, You Look Nice Today, certainly could fall into there. Although it's it does have its own standalone episodes that are you can you know pop in and listen to and, and enjoy certainly. Um, but there is a bit of an investment to them, and that's something that's different than uh, what a lot of podcasts tend to be. Sort of the sitcom TV variety where each show is its own little thing. There's no you don't want to risk uh, either offending or alienating somebody by referencing old stuff and and that kind of idea. And that's certainly an art and uh, that you, that you guys have together, you and John in this case. But uh, also the 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 fact that um, say on back to work, something where you know using bits that are reoccurring both for audience rewarding and audience back, loyalty. Back, back to work has has at this point come to consist almost exclusively of either inc- really. Um, intellectually elusive callbacks to pop culture in our own show, but also even the aspects of Dan and my relationship where I might stutter a little bit and then go, Isn't, that's a funny bit. That's such a stupid thing, but that'll be funny to somebody who listens to the show a lot. And to everybody else, it just sounds like, like I'm, I'm mad. Yeah. Um, but, you know, this is something I, I thought about, I have thought about in the past. I, this is not, once I'm doing the show, I don't think about this, but um, yeah, that's what example, I wanted to ask you about. Sorry, to, but that no, idea of like knowing a, a bit is a bit and doing it and then knowing when to kill that bit, let's say, because I, I think a lot of podcasters, it's it's something that builds up, uh, like I'm rewarded by listening to Back to Work and recognizing that bit, and, and whereas my uh, my mom, <laughs> if my mom listened to it, she'll be like, <laughs> what are these two losers talking about or, or whatever, but... Who listens to this? <laughs> yeah, well, she says the same thing about my shows, like... People no. listen to. <laughs> I listen. She listened to one of my shows actually, and, and she fell asleep. <laughs> that is so sweet. Which is such a nice thing for my mom to do. But uh, but yeah, like knowing when to kill a bit, knowing when. To, but so you're not over like people. Are like, oh, here we go again. Dan's and Merlin are talking about the thing and the whiz bang and the whatever. But because it it doesn't go on forever. But you, yeah. What's the life of a? Not to get too. No, uh, no. Sure, I, I'm but. happy. I'm happy to answer it. And it's. It, I. I I guess I should act like the answer is more complicated than it is. F- philosophically, and I promise I won't go on about this, but philosophically, it's a real value to me to, to make something that I like and that will appeal to the people that I like most of the time. Um, I think it's a dead end to overthink how much what you're doing will appeal to people. That's a whole other topic that I, I've, I've talked about 
ad nauseum, but I, re- I really do believe that. It, the, the day that I start sweating that too much is the day that what I do loses whatever tiny bit of value it has, which is the only thing I have to offer is, is who I am, how I think, and how I communicate, uh, and, which sounds really self-involved, but isn't it a pity that more people don't trust that in themselves, which leads to the more salient point that I, I think you're making, which is that I think what you're saying is, you know, as you say, most shows are like, like in comics, you would call it like a one-off or you would call it like a single issue story. It's not an overarching story arc where you have to read, you know, 50 comics. And that's great. I happen to really enjoy a comic that, especially if it's a series I've never read, I do seek out one where I can like, oh, just give me a sense of the characters and what's going on. But what, what you're also what you're describing, most podcasts for probably pretty good and sometimes pretty obvious reasons are topical podcasts. Many that are topical podcasts are about something that happened this week or last week. And the entirely mercantile and, um, mercantile is the wrong word, but uh, I want a show that has longevity. In other words, I, I, don't, I don't feel great doing a show where it's almost like a, like a loaf of bread, where, where the value of it will seem very high when you pick it up and then will seem pretty much inconsequential in a week and a half. Why? Because you either will have eaten the bread and be ready for another another loaf, or it'll just go bad, and you certainly wouldn't want to eat it. And so, yeah, I I would encourage people to ask themselves when they do a topical podcast: How many people who've never heard your show are going to go listen to speculation about the release of iOS five? Because that might be interesting for historical purposes, but only if you love the hosts. Like, I'll go back and listen to old episodes of the talk show uh, with Dan and uh, Dan Benjamin and John Gruber because it's one of my favorite things ever. But I, I, I'm, I'm listening for their bizarre interactions and strange silences and James Bond discussion. But I, I personally could give a flying fig what's happening in the world of technology. I think it's just one of the hu- hugest and most... It's, it's like football for nerds. Like, who cares, personally? Um, but, but to this end, like, <clears throat> there's no reason that... Um, if you go back and listen to the first episode of You Look Nice Today, you go back and listen to the first episode of Roderick on the Line or Back to Work, to varying degrees, um, you know, if you're the kind of person who would like that show, you'll like it just as much today as you did then. If you go back and listen to the first episode of a show about computers, um, I don't know. That, that's funny for historic value. It's like watching an old TV show to see how funny someone's hair is. But how many of us put the evening news on our TiVo and return to two-week-old episodes? Very, very few. Because as much as you love that show, there's really nothing there for you at that point unless you intensely love the people. And if you intensely love the people, eventually the topic will not be as important. So why not start by just letting the topic be what it's going to be so that you can be the personality you'd like to be? It won't work for everybody, but that's the shows I listen to. You know, I listen, I listen to... Um, like recently, the Accidental Tech Podcast with Casey Liss and John Syracuse and Syracuse. There's no Z in Syracuse. And Marco Arment, because I enjoy listening to them talk about stuff. I understand almost nothing John Syracuse says ever because he's so much smarter than me. But I really like that show because I like those characters. It was a very long answer, but I think it's worth talking about because it's easy to get blinded by some picture of success that involves doing a topic that's already overcovered. But only you can be you. Cheesy as that sounds, there's not a single other person in the universe that can be you, especially if you're interesting. So why don't you figure out how to do something that has longevity in your own interest and then try to serve the people who will enjoy that rather than worrying about the people who will never like you no matter what. Isn't that fancy? Isn't that fine for Merlin? That's fine for Merlin. And uh, 
Yeah, it makes me... Yours is different, though, because an interview show, you're, by nature, you're going to have people, you know, people who like you are going to listen um, every episode, but you have the advantage, and believe me, I know this, there's a reason people invite me on, I suppose, is, is that you get in, bring in somebody that somebody may be familiar, I'm not trying to sound, fuck, I'm sorry, <clears throat> I'm not trying to sound famous or something, but, you know, you bring in somebody who has a following, and they'll go, may go listen to that show they've never heard before. That's why people do interview shows a lot of the time. Somebody like Chris Hardway or Thorne. Um, are such interesting characters that what they bring to an interview is much more than asking somebody to promote their latest movie. Terry Gross did it for Terry Gross. Yeah, and that's exactly it's uh it's the uh, deciding to do a show to begin with, and maybe you have some buddies you want to do a show with on a topic, and the, and the tech like you and I and, and a lot of the folks who probably listen to this are in that sort of tech sphere, and it's it seems like the sort of knee jerk reaction. And I have a show that I kind of do that with where we're with some buddies and we talk about stuff, and that's. That's fine for us, I guess. But I, I agree in terms of longevity. I, it's aside from maybe the folks who edit the Daily Show or help with the Daily Show and, and things like that, where they go back and watch the news, it would be a scary world if folks were like watching three week old news on PVR just for <laughs> just for fun or whatever, I guess. But um, that's not, that's not a bad example though, because that show because of the personalities on that show. I mean, if there's anything where you are likely to go watch something. Um, also, they're doing like things like they're do, they they're doing stuff with video, um, and the way that they'll put you know what somebody said here and what they said then, and 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 you know John Stewart's reaction to it that could have a long life um, mm. because it is is so well done. And and just to be clear, I'm not I'm not trying to criticize people. I'm doing the opposite of criticizing. I'm saying if if whatever you're doing is is working for you, that's great. But what I can what I can say is trying to reverse engineer success out of trying to do what other people have done and what you hope strangers will like is very is very difficult to do. And I don't think there's that many people who weren't already super duper famous that can pull that off. Alec Baldwin's show is great. Here's the thing. I love yeah. that show. I love the show because I love Alec Baldwin. He's a terrible interviewer. Um and he's constantly interrupting people and injecting his own anecdotes. Uh, Mark Maron, not a great interviewer, but his show's gotten very popular because they love his character. They love his bits. If you were to cut that out in the service of trying to be David Brinkley, that would not be a show that has gotten as successful as it has. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, the character, the person, like, that's with, with, the, voice, yeah, with the interview yeah. show. Did you, speaking of The Wire, did you listen to Here's the Thing with David Simon yet? Duh. <laughs> Of course I did. I, yeah, I did his latest, yeah. yeah, the latest episode. I listened to Alec Baldwin episodes with people I've never heard of just because I enjoy his rapport with people. And, and because, okay, again, think about, you know, that word curation has fallen out of favor, but editorial decisions, he, I don't think he's got producers out there going, here's who we can get this week. I think he, it seems to me that given the scheduling or how often the show comes out, it seems to me that he's got some kind of a mental list of people he wants to talk to. He wanted to talk to Billy Joel. So he did. He wanted to talk to David Letterman. Fantastic. Yeah, that was a great one. That's what I'm, I mean. That was you, if there's. I'll, I'll tell you this: if you've never heard, um, here's the thing, and you like Letterman, start with that episode because it is fantastic, and it's information that I wouldn't, I've never heard anywhere else. But because it's two personalities that I care about, and whose interaction I go, wow, I, I gotta listen to this. How? Whoa, what's gonna happen? You know, I Billy Joel, really? But he loves Billy Joel so much, and they have so much to talk about because of their shared background. It, I, I found it incredibly entertaining, even though I'm, you know, not the world's biggest Billy Joel fan. But I'm, I'm sorry, I'm doing that thing I said I wasn't going to do. I'm talking. About yeah, it. when the guest uh, interrupts with lots of anecdotes, it's the worst. <laughs> uh, Tom York, actually, too. That's another one. I was just uh, the only thing I'll, I'll say about uh, here's the thing is they have the worst 
way of trying to find a show. <laughs> I was just trying to speaking of show notes and being an art, uh, trying to find the link to the Letterman episode, and it's I'll I'll, uh, I'll find it later. But um, I mean, on the on the the actual episode, yeah, on the wnyc.org site or whatever. I I, I it, it is difficult a lot of the time because I, there are shows that I really enjoy that do a couple of things I find extremely frustrating. Um, one is there's the basic one. The basic one is that page is there. I'm going to say mostly for linkage and SEO reasons. What they want is they want you to subscribe to the podcast in iTunes. And they deliberately, some sites, I'm just telling you, man, I know how to do this stuff. I know how to find URLs. I know how to look at source code and try to reverse engineer out of the FLV, like where things are. I'm pretty good at that. I've got tools for that. And I, the reason I have those tools is people deliberately obfuscate the ability to get a single episode of something, which I, I mean, I understand why they do it, but I think it's dumb. Um, to, to make it to make it so that people can't get a little snack version of your show without committing. It's one reason I love HuffDuffer. And, and yeah, in this okay. instance, I, I put so much stuff into HuffDuffer, which we should probably talk about. Uh, I think it's really underknown. Uh, but like, I might go to a place and go, oh, this sounds like an interesting episode. Or here's an episode where one of my friends is on. And I, I, get, I hit a button in HuffDuffer, it pops up. But if it can't find um, an audio URL on the page, it can't be bookmarked. And so I've got to go in and do some acrobatics. Um, to find it. Anyway, I think that's frustrating um, because then at that point that does really become more about the business um, and traffic desires of the publisher uh, much more so than making it easy and if you like democratic for uh, your users and listeners. Yeah, that's where actually Huffduffer is one that uh, I think I'm pretty sure you introduced me to it through something at some point along the way but uh, it's such a great service and I I it boggles my mind for as popular as podcasting has become that it's not more popular. And maybe it is. And it's one of those neat services, kind of like Instapaper, where I'd have no idea if I didn't Precisely follow like Marco it's, somehow yeah. that it's so popular. Like it would just be like, well, I'm using a Y isn't everybody else? You know, because <laughs> you don't, there's no social graph, so to speak, or whatever the SEO stuff. Yeah. Is, I mean, Jeremy, Jeremy Keith, who put it together, is, is, is a genius. He's one of the, as far as I know, he's one of the pioneers of responsive design. And he's done such amazing stuff. And if you ever go and look at the documentation for the API, it's really crazy. The amount of work that he has put into making something that does something incredibly simple. All it really does <clears throat> is let you create um, an item that links to a, an audio file. But then you can subscribe to that as an RSS feed to essentially roll your own uh, personal podcast of whatever you want to listen to. Um, and there's a, there's a small bit of a social component to it, but it's definitely not like the biggest part. But, you know, I start out on that page of what's popular and go, oh, here's something like, I didn't know that this was out there. This is really great. You know, um, but I don't know. I, I, I really love it. I, I, I love it for, you know, for this. Like I will probably, I, I'm not subscribed to your show because I don't have, I'm not subscribed to that many things. But I'll tell you what I will do. I'll listen to this. I'll probably go back and listen to Dan's thing. And if I really like it, I'll subscribe. Yeah. But it's made it easy. It's like a little sample. Um, but he doesn't host the file. Again, like Instapaper, it just, it's just pointers. It's just metadata um, for audio. Yeah. And he's got, I just noticed I was looking at the site and I'll have to try this out later. You can call the hotline, Huffduffer Hotline, a U.S. and a U.K. number, or Skype to just hear the latest audio. <laughs> so I, I'm presuming that's who, who, yeah, really? somebody's bookmark something. You can just tune in and listen. And that's actually where, uh, to get a little technical on a podcast, something that I noticed Dan doing with 5x5, and I noticed when I Huffduffer, what's the vernacular, Huffduff things? I don't know. Uh, yeah. When I Huffduff something, <laughs> which, <laughs> take that one out of context. But Sounds like you're uh, snorting Scotchgard. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
it's been a long Canadian winter. Um, the uh, <laughs> the tagging thing, which I come, you know, the web world where you're building websites and tagging kind of fell out of vogue, and it's not like uh, aside from social media douchebag SEO folks, you know, you don't need to tag. Google does it for you. But what I found with podcasting is actually huff throwing a tag in, like say your if you have a network or your site or your name, and having a few tags in there allows Hufta, for for example, to very quickly build off those tags. So I, you know, right. You see how how five by five is always exactly. The That's the one tag. I was like, Dan's actually doing something smart here. <laughs> Not sorry, that sounds like he's doing no, a lot of things I know smart. What you but mean. It was like, oh yeah, like this sort of old art form of tagging everything. Like we used to tag back in the day, anyways. I think I think what it's doing. I, I don't know this for a fact, but it's using some kind of metadata from the page. I'm tempted to say that if there is if there's site. Oh, you know, you know this stuff better than I do, but it does. I think it, I'm pretty sure it pulls out the keywords out of the meta tag. But it, I've noticed that it's if there's if there's like a site description, it doesn't seem to use it. Somehow it's using. It must be something in like the little C data description field. But yeah, Dan's are really great because when you huffed up anything on five by five, it does add the tags for that uh, for that series that that show. Maybe not for that episode, um, but and it also adds a description to the description um, text area, and it puts in the link. HuffTuffer will always, if possible, put in the link to the page it got it from. But no, it's great to have that in there. Um, you know, and, and so, you know, there are a lot of people who use HuffTuffer exclusively personally. I also use it to try and share things with other people. Like if, if you know, I want to put enough information in there, like I would do on a web, like on a blog post. I want to put in enough information to give people context. But it's very interesting, and I, I'm really surprised more people um, don't use it personally. And and for myself, I'm really surprised that more publishers, I mean, the button is so simple. It's just a little bit of JavaScript you drop on your page and whatever single page has a single audio or has audio on it, it'll work on any page. So I, I don't know. I'm kind of surprised more people don't use yeah, it. Yeah, so I was going to ask about because you put it on the Roderick site. The, the Roderick on the line site has it as a HuffDuffit link right there for you and probably it gets a lot of track. And that's actually how I, you know, when I first contacted you, I... You know, I have a little bit of those uh, vanity searches for people mentioning SSKTN or show me your mic and just to see what's going on with it. And all of a sudden, this little pop-ups that Merlin Mann had huffed off the episode of show me your mic. And it was like, oh, well, at least I know he's <laughs> he's listened or at least Creepy. yeah, exactly. he's I don't know for sure that I, he's listened, but at least I know he's at least huffed off something. <laughs> I, I, I have and yeah. I did. So there you go. <laughs> it's not a completely uh, foreign thing where I'm coming at you with a question about coming on the show. Um, right. Show notes. You, you mentioned you know that being an art that um, of something that I know you, like definitely with back to work. It's a it's an art unto itself almost. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, something that uh, I'm sure you've seen as you look around. It's a bit of the bane of the existence of a lot of podcasters to do it because not everybody has a like Dan's great tool for the bookmarklet or whatever system that he's got where it's kind of embedding it into the page as you go and, and things like that, I presume. But um, what's, what is that? What did you mean by it's a bit of an art and, and how, how do you look at it and why do you do it? I'm glad you asked. I think that's a good question. I'm glad you asked. Um, well, um, I guess starting with back to work, um, you're right. The technology that, that Dan has put together is is really great. I mean, he built that entire CMS himself. He make, makes the updates to it himself. And just as a little bit inside baseball, but um, he's got um, for each show, and I think maybe for each person with access to the CMS, you, you drag up a little bookmark. There's a bookmarklet. There's a bookmarklet for add this note to the current episode of this show or uh, uh, this link or add this link to the next episode of the show. 
And so you could, and now he's, he's recently updated that. So if I'm on a page and I know if the show is in production or hasn't, you know, s- started yet, I can select stuff on a page, hit the next show link. I get a little pop-up and now I know that that link with the correct title and whatever I had, I had selected is in there as the description. That's something new that he's recently added. And so, you know, if, if there's something obscure we've mentioned on the show, even in passing, I made some kind of really, believe it or not, really stupid joke where I, I acted like I didn't know Don Amici's name. And so I can, uh, I can add in a link to Don Amici. I can add in a Wolfram Alpha link to show how much money uh, Martin and Lewis made in the 50s. That, so he's made it, he's added, the point being, he's added all of that in in such a way that, you know, he, he's made it easy for his hosts and producers to collect those things in a way that is, I can't imagine being any more seamless. And I love doing it. Um, I, weeks like this week, it's been kind of a crazy week with WWDC and stuff. So I, I didn't do what I usually do. But um, I mean, you know, for, for anybody coming in and hoping that they're going to find links to, you know, white papers about XML, they're not going to find that. But if they like the show, I think they will hopefully be entertained by seeing, here's a, here's a link to something about toxoplasmosis, as well as a description of what that is. Well, why would anybody want that? Well, you'll want it if you listen to the show and laughed along about cat ladies. Like, that'll be funny. So in that instance, Dan's made that very easy to do. Um, it, the Walmart product on the line, I have, a pr- I think, a pretty clever hack for that that I used to use. That I just, it's purely a matter of time. I don't have time to do it. But if anybody wants, here's an easy, really easy way to do this if you want show notes um, and an easy way to do it. I am a, an ardent fan of Pinboard. Uh, a great, you know, are you familiar, yep. familiar with it? Paid member. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it was originally designed as a replacement for Delicious, but Pinboard has a, a wealth of awesome bookmarks, bookmarklets um, for adding stuff. Very much the same way. You can select stuff on a page, hit a link, and it gets added to your Pinboard. Most Pinboards are public, mine is private, so, for example, let's say you've done an episode of a show and there's like 10 things you want to bookmark. If you had to do that all with, you know, if you're not, if you don't have the same Byzantine browser setup that I've got using Markdown and stuff, it's a real pain in the butt. You know, have to copy three or four things to go put that somewhere. And that's why we generally see in most show notes a link to something that person has done, their Twitter feed, and a couple Amazon links. And that's, you know, because that's what somebody has time and interest to do. With the pinboard, my suggestion with pinboard is go through blast through everything. I would even put them in new tabs, new tab, new tab, new tab. Here's 10 things I want to bookmark and go through, hit that pinboard button with, where it's adding the description. This is going to seem really obvious, but I think it's pretty clever. Um, you know, add it, add it, add it, add it, all 10. Then go into pinboard and it's trivially easy to add a tag to all of those. And in this instance, you know, uh, like I might say R-O-T-L-0-1-0 is a tag. You can guess what that means. That means these are all going to be show, mo- show notes that I use for Roderick on the line number 10. And then you grab a, a chunk of uh, JavaScript that says, uh, on this page, show all of the bookmarks that have this tag. Yeah. Did that make sense? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. It's a really fast way to do it. So you add everything to Pinboard and then using an embed, uh, I think it's a JavaScript embed, yeah. you just... Um, Drop in a line or two of JavaScript in the show in the show notes description area of that page, and if it's you know correctly unescaping and, and handling JavaScript, you'll get all your notes right in there. Why else is that great? If you add new notes in the future, it'll appear there automatically. Yeah, yeah. If you go back and let's do it again, or someone sends in. Yeah. But yeah. So if you want to get into that, you don't have to. Even if you only do five or ten notes per show, that's one pretty simple way to do that. And if you're using something like Squarespace, I have to guess that it's it would be 
I bet there's a way to hack it together so that it would automatically increment with what episode number it is. I mean, if you know the first thing about any um, scripting or development tool, I, I would have to imagine that's pretty easy to do. But that's really fast. And I think people really like it. Our show goes over the top. But I always feel like if I arrive, this is totally personal, but if I, had, or if I arrive at a page and it says, you know, interview with Mary Smith. Mary Smith is a social media consultant, mother, farmer, and thinker. And it's got a link to her Twitter page. Like, okay, you know, that and five bucks will get me a cup of coffee. Why don't you tell me a little more about what's going on? Because I see a link to GitHub. I go, oh, this person's a developer. If I see a link to Rolling Stone Magazine with their name in the title, I go, oh, this is probably an entertainment person. But, you know, it, it's in le- if you're trying to attract people with the kind of show that I don't do, it, <laughs> it really benefits you to show people kind of what you talked about in there. If, you know what I mean? I, I think you do people a service. And, and also, the last thing on Rock on the Line, I used to do an extremely long description for each show that would tantalize people with the incredibly bizarre topics. Um, and I think that's, you know, I, I tend to think of writing in my head. The fancy version of writing is, you know, writing something long and cogent in paragraphs that people read. But it's still writing if it's little things that you put craft into. And anywhere you can do that, more than just perfunctorily dropping in a bunch of descriptive text, it adds more flavor to, to what you're doing. And if you write that in the voice of, the, that, well, people will understand is you actually writing that. It's not like some producer or bot came in and auto-generated that. Um, I think that, again, adds to the voice of the show. Yeah, so in as much as 5 by 5s quote-unquote voice would be, you know, with that, the uh, a wealth of metadata, I guess, and sort of uh, show notes, et cetera. And Roderick on the line, sort of the other extreme of of being a bit uh, more opaque and, and like this, uh, like you said, just a one-line description of the episode and and you're going to listen and find out and, and we may or may not talk about things and we may or may not link to things, but you're going to enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. that, that, very, very well put. And, and if I did attempt to do that, here's what that would sound like. In this episode, um, John and Merlin start out talking about nasal congestion, um, then have a very funny bit about why you have to show respect to crows, and then John tells a really long story about the Balkans, and then there's a bell at the end. Like, if I say it to people, like, even somebody who likes the show would read that and go, like, that's horrible. You know, that show is, one reason we haven't gone, uh, gone out of our way to get sponsors is that we very pretentiously consider each program to be part of its own little universe. Or, or you know what I mean? Each, the show as itself is its own universe. And if we had, I don't want to offend any of your sponsors, but like if we, if we had a... Um, it's okay, I don't have if sponsors. We, if, so well, if we, dropped in, if we <laughs> dropped in a pre-recorded segment about audiobook subscription services, that would be very jarring because that's not part of, our, of that universe. And in the case of You Look Nice Today, for example, um, Scott and I, we kind of take turns and kind of collaborate. Each episode, we write something in the description field that is either something like a fake letter from the board, or it's some kind of a, like if we've made up something about like, um, you know, come to Dubai, so you, you know, you can ride on these things called Tang Tangs. We'll have like a description, a pretty straight-faced description, and then we might include a f- few bullets about other things we talked about, but this is really long-winded, but I just, I think you know, to get people to listen to and enjoy what you do, I mean, it, it helps a lot to understand what success in that would look like for you, who you, who you want to be, who you want to sound like, and who you'd like to reach. And then once you narrow that down from everything in the world to a handful of things, you can decide what's going to work. 
You know, I go out there and go steal some image off the internet to use for Roderick on the line. I apply a halftone screen. I, I um, make it, you know, pretty light and I put it up. And that's kind of just a thing we do. And every week someone comes in and sees that and maybe they would titter. If they come in one week, you know, and it's, it's a picture of John and I, uh, you know, it's just, you know what I mean? Like it, it's, it, if it's not, it's got, it's, it's got, it's inscrutable, but it's got its own internal logic. And so I, anybody who's listening who's, who wants something potentially nominally useful, I would just say try to find what that thing is for you. Add some flavor. You know, nobody needs another podcast about stuff where it, it, it doesn't have any personality to it. Yeah, you know and I mean? you're, it's, there's enough. There's it, enough of to that. To not go back to making this a tech podcast, but it's a similar idea, I guess, that I hear a lot of uh, smart uh, tech nerd folks talk about with when they're talking about like the iOSs and the things. You know the the little delights and the little touches that they put into when you scroll and it does some sort of smooth buttery scrolling as opposed to like tap all the um, tap tap guys, yeah, all the tweet button stuff. Yeah. Similar here, I think it's it's just little touches that you're you're rewarding the listener or the reader on the site. Like with you look nice today, especially like um, you're rewarding those folks for knowing what's going on and understanding enough to be able to enjoy the. Letter from the board, or whatever, and those kinds of things. And you, that's a really, that's actually a really good analogy. And the, the, um, I, 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 I agree with what you're saying. The other example that comes straight to mind is um, um, Panic, who who makes things like Transmit yeah. and Coda. Um, but what is Transmit? Transmit is an FTP app, like unsexy. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so basically, you've taken like arguably one of the simplest command lines, command command line, you know. Uh, Terminal command line uh, commands. I'm having trouble saying what that is. I mean, what? I mean, how hard is it to use FTP even from the command line? You, you type in SFTP in your paths and your your flags or attributes for what you wanted to do, and you did, what? But they've made their web page is gorgeous and fun to use. They they were long before Ajax had a name. They had a way of dragging the apps that you wanted into a basket. <laughs> And I'm talking about like, about like eight years ago. And all of their stuff has so much personality and flair and sense of finish. So in a way where the app I used to use, like Fetch, I used Fetch for years. And it's great. It had a little animated dog while it was uploading. But, you know, they've, they've, they've like bought a building. They've somehow <laughs> become so successful with that. Coda? Coda is not an app for everybody. I don't use Coda because it doesn't fit the way I work. But it's gorgeous. And I can highly recommend it to a lot of people. But they make the thing that they want to make with their own imprimatur and that's what makes people love them. They don't, they don't love them because they try to make something that everybody's going to like. They try to make something that they can be proud of. Yeah. And that's where I think folks maybe who listen to this, and I know I've felt this too over the years, you know, doing, whether it's trying to do podcasting or trying to be like blogging and, and it's sort of the source of that, the whole uh, running gag on, on back to work where it's, that's fine for Merlin. Like the, they'll, they'll listen to this and think, Great, I'll. I'm just going to go do my thing because screw the man and the way they. Because you listen to a lot of, uh, you know, how to do a podcast. You need to. You first, you have a 20 second intro that gives people a little teaser of what they're going to have. You hit the intro music, and you talk about your guest if it's an interview show for you know two minutes, and then you get into the discussion. Halfway through, you have your sponsor break, and at the end, you summarize very nicely for people, give them all the links to where they can find the stuff, and send them on their way, and which is sort of the formula, right? And you're like you said. If it, this sounds like I'm mad at you, I'm not mad at you. I'm just. <laughs> it's the it's trying to like break out of that and do your own thing, which I'm encouraging folks who, if you're listening to this and thinking about podcasting, to do because I, in the end, it's gonna, 
even if it's not commercially successful, is going to bring you a lot more non-monetary joy, I think, in what you're doing, if you'd really love what you're doing. And um, I'm trying to get to a question in there, but uh, <laughs> just... But how do you, how do you, how do you get, how does one get to the point where they, uh, let me ask you this, how many, how many podcasts do you listen to? I assume you listen to podcasts. No, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you've heard, heard them. Of them. Yeah. Um, how, this is, you know, I'll specifically ask you this. How many podcasts do you listen to from people you're not familiar with or whose voice you couldn't identify that aren't your friends? Um, I think most people, if they were honest, they would say, well, actually, you know, most podcasts I listen to more than once, uh, I know who the hosts are and I look forward to what they have to say this episode. And it, you might listen to your friends because you enjoy hearing what your friends say. If they're not, I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to make that a bifurcation. All I'm trying to say is like the that's fine for Merlin. Um, my problem with the that's fine for Merlin thing is I don't understand how you find, how do you find a better way? I mean, racing toward mediocrity is not going to get you advertisers. That you know what I mean? It doesn't matter if your show is big or famous or whatever. Um, advertisers are looking for people, yes, that have an audience, but they're looking for people who have a very loyal and engaged audience. They're looking for people who will tell their friends about this. And and, and you know, and, and if the problem is, and I, I have to just mention this, I'm always feeling like I have to mention this because it's easier to just go listen to this than hear me say it again. But a talk that John Gruber and I did, yeah, South by Southwest a few years ago about how fancy it is to do all these things. Well. Like, tell me who out, who out there that you really like and respect a lot is doing anything different than what I'm describing. Um, there's a lot of people struggling and saying, well, you know, um, I've got to be the next person who blogs or podcasts about this same thing a thousand people have, others have already said. Well, that works as a MacGuffin, as a way to get people in on a topic. But I don't know how you keep them over time without making them want to hear what you said. I mean, I can find out that information. I, pff, I can't avoid finding out that information in a thousand places. Why would I want to go to you for that? And then once you figure that out, you iterate and improve upon that. And if somebody has a, a, a formula for success that isn't you know, cheating with SEO that's better than that, then they don't need this, they don't need this help. I'm, trying, I, I'm only trying to help people who want to be great at it but feel hung up because they're stuck in this, in this mediocrity uh, loop. Which, you know, I'm not saying everything I do is great, but people like it and they do listen to it and they look forward to it. And if I tried to make that something that was instantly understandable to everybody in the world, I'd hate it, they'd hate it, and everybody who used to love the show would stop listening because there's a thousand other places they could go for precisely the same thing. Yeah, that's the perfect antidote in a way to the that's fine for Merlin discussion or argument or whatever. It's a joke, but it's also kind of not a joke. People people get pissed, you know? Yeah. It's uh, and it's it's a shame, you know. I mean, you know, it's it's not that I take it personally. It's more like I get I get I don't get mad at people because they said something. A stranger said something mean to me. I got past that a long time ago. Um, what I'm getting mad about is is somebody who's trying to blame the apparent success of other people for what they won't admit they're just not trying hard enough at, or they don't care enough about. You know, I, I just, I've never seen anybody get far in life by doing that. And if they do, they end up sad and bitter. You know, why don't you just go out there and try to make something awesome that you really like? And if, if you like it enough, there's a pretty good chance somebody else might like it. If you don't like, if nobody likes it, try something else. But, you know, we've already got a tech crunch. We've already got a daring fireball. We've got, guys, we've got plenty of that. Like, where are you in aping that? Where are you in attracting me to that or whomever? 
by going, oh, this person seems to have a, a, a unique perspective on this. That's all I'm saying, because you'll be happier, your listeners, listeners will be happier. And if you, only, if you get 100 people that download it every week, they're going to care tons more than if you have zero people who uh, happen to just <laughs> not care. That's all. If a podcast is published, nobody listens. You should probably talk about microphones, does it, uh, right? Does anybody hear? Well, I think it's mm, dis- it's very zen, like chocolate. <laughs> it is a what bugs me too, and not to jump up on the soapbox with you with it, but it does take away from what you have built in terms of what you've done, but also that it's not a given that every episode of Back to Work is going to be listened to by the hundreds of hundreds of people, however many people actually listened or whatever. You know, it's not a given that that's going to stay there. And Dan, when I had Dan on, and I've heard him say this on other shows too, is Dan Benjamin over at Five by Five is, you know, and it may be a bit of a bit, but it's also reality too, I think is, you know, he wakes up every morning a bit afraid that it's going to all go away, that what he's built up is is going to disappear. And I think um, for anybody, that's the danger, I guess, of the internet with the ubiquity, ubiquity of I can be like talking to Merlin Man out right here right now is a big deal for a whole bunch of people, myself included. But one silo over on the internet, it's they could care less about Merlin Man and who he is or or what it is. And it's not but yeah, but like why wouldn't that be okay? Yeah, why exactly right? But like B, why wouldn't that be okay? But A, guys, everything goes away. Dan Dan's when Dan and I talk about being scared, it's not to try and sound like we're sage. In my case, I'm saying it because I know everything goes away. You know, but I mean, wouldn't it be nice to get to the point where you can have something nice that goes away rather than never having made something that you care about going away? You know what I mean? If 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 you just kind of uh, fade away at this thing that you weren't really trying all, all that hard at or didn't care that much about, and I, you know, I'm, I am in no way trying to say what I do is difficult because it's not. I've chosen it because it's not difficult. <laughs> Yeah, no, no I, I mean, if I, I mean, there's a lot of people who, who try really hard at something they don't like and then can't understand why they're unhappy. You know, this is something I'm in the only proviso or the only addendum to that is that I am trying to do more of these things that are more diverse. And I'm really kind of banging my head around trying to figure out what that should be. But um, I, don't, I, I don't know, this does become like a back to work thing, I guess. But you know, any anybody out there who thinks that the, everybody else isn't scared too is out of their skull. I mean, but you know, it will go away. I hate to be the one to break it to you, but we're all we're all gonna we're all gonna be dead sooner than we think, and we have a limited amount of time to try and make something that that will make us happy and proud and be appealing to other people. You know, and just sitting on your own consolation that. Um, the world is weird because all these fancy people get to make things you don't like show me anybody who succeeded with that. It just doesn't happen. You know what I mean? That's, that's all. Sorry. It makes me mad, but not really. Yeah. Except it does. Podcast angry. Podcasting. Am I right? Uh, I'm going to steal a question from a friend, Carrie, who uh, sent this in. She's, I think she's listening and she's wearing a, that's fine for Merlin. Hi, Carrie. Show, I think. Mm. Oh, wait, wait, is Carrie, Carrie a yes. female? Wow. That makes two. Two. Oh, two. Yeah, well, not my wife. My wife won't wear it. My, my daughter sleeps in my, uh, that's fun from her old shirt sometimes. But hi, Carrie. Thank you. She was, uh, she tweeted at me saying, and this is something I wanted to ask you about with the show, like say back to work and, and you look nice to obviously extenuating circumstances maybe caused it to end, but also it's kind of like a knowing when to end a show is part of its success in a way. And, and uh, you know, would the Beatles be as big if they hadn't broken up and all those, you know, big cultural things. But to go down to where the level we're talking about here, like knowing when, uh, when to keep doing the thing that you've always 
been doing and what's been working versus trying something new that might be better, but you know, is, is going to be hard for one and scary. And so something like you've, I know you've mentioned on a few different shows, uh, I think in various places where you're, you've got some other project that you're working on. And so you've got, you know, back to work, Roderick on the line and maybe something else in the, in the works that you're sort of building towards and whatever you want to talk about that I, I is fine, but just more the, the idea of does back to work go on indefinitely and uh, how do you know when it might be time to stop and not that I think you should, but um, when that comes, no, it's a, it's a, I think it's, I think, I think it's a great question. Um, just in, in general, it would be difficult to answer that specifically yeah. because I'm not, well, no, just because I'm, I'm, I'll just say this. I'll say in general that, um, because of my own uh, faults as a human, most things, a lot of things that have ended in my life, I didn't realize that they were for practical purposes over for a long time before I did realize it. Realizing that something is over is not the same thing as that thing being over. You know, see also uh, the Civil War and uh, the notion of a flat earth. Uh, the earth has been spherical for a long time. And whether or not somebody decides that their uh, group, <laughs> you can get the biggest group in the world that you want who ardently believes that the earth is not spherical. And um, you might really believe it, and maybe your membership fees are up and the new t-shirts are in, but it doesn't change the reality that, um, that you're living in a, in a dream world. Um, and so I guess one thing would be that... Um, I think it, I, I'm not, I'm trying to avoid the word pessimistic. Um, you don't want to be pessimistic about going, oh, is this over? Will this end? Um, I, I would say just in general, like everything does end, but you know, I forget who said this. I feel like somebody I know said this, but I might've read it in a book or something, but um, people, a lot of times people will, some people will notice what you do in life, but more people will notice how you handled what you did in life, which is why I, I find myself saying things like, well, you know, if you are going to quit your job, um, I would say don't do it by George Costanza, you know, steaming your way out of the office. What you, the emotional payback that you get from that is far offset by how much of a tool you seem to be. And whether or not that comes back to haunt you, like, is that the person that you want to be? So, so first of all, if you're going to end something, I say, you know, try to end it classy when you can. I've had plenty of stuff just peter off because I'm not really done with it, but maybe it's done with me. But knowing it's over, um, specifically with regard to a podcast, um, you don't find yourself looking forward to doing it. And once you are doing it, you may not find that much to say. Um, candidly, when you start worrying more about your metrics on viewers and what, or listeners and like what kinds of famous people you can get on, uh, if that's the kind of show you do, well, then maybe that's something you can get help with. But I, I think when, it's, when it stops being something you look forward to, it, it's not a great sign. Candidly, um, if I find out that people I like and respect have stopped listening to it for reason X, that gives me pause. Mm -hmm. And I'll just say that there have been times in the past that I've stopped doing audio projects because I found out how much my friends thought the show was insufferable, um, which made me rethink it a little bit. I, I'll make my own decision about whether it's insufferable. Yeah. I'll make my own decision about whether I enjoy it or maybe there's money in it. I mean, we all got to do what we do, mm -hmm. right? But um, knowing when it's over to me is, you know, maybe your relationship with the uh, people you work with isn't so great. Maybe you're not happy with what it is. Um, I, I, you know, I... I'm not the poster boy for this, but I think it always helps to be working on a few things at once. 
uh, because it keeps you from, from getting too wound up. I'm not saying you should be careless, but if you're working on several things at once, ideally including things you haven't that aren't public yet, um, I think that gives you more creative energy to do things. If all you do is this one thing and you keep banging your head against the wall wondering why it's not a giant success, you don't have any time away or any perspective. Where if you did try something else and you went, whoa, this is kind of more fun to do and my friends are more excited about it, well, the other thing might be over just because you don't have the time, attention, or interest to do it anymore. Um, or maybe you just do it for a little while. Or maybe you do it less often. But the problem with all of these is we in- inject so much emotion and so much sunk cost into it. We go, oh, I've been doing this. this. I've been doing this thing I hate for two years. How could I possibly stop it? Okay, hope that works out. <laughs> but um, knowing when it's over, I don't, I don't know. I, I'd be curious to hear what you think of that. Well, how would you? How would you know when you're done here? With, well, you mean this show? I, I guess when it's done, yeah. when my stomach says I can't keep talking. I need to go eat something. Is probably my limit. So. I'll, not this, not this episode. <laughs> How would you know you're done with this property? Well, that's right. I think there's a, when you're talking, I was kind of thinking there's sort of a, the life cycle of a podcast, maybe, and this may sound like complete uh, malarkey, as we say. <laughs> we don't really say that. But mm-hmm. it, like the beginning of the show, like the first five episodes or so, I'm that guy, like just what you're describing, like how many people are listening? What am I, who's half, who's, who's tuning in? You know, who's half dusted? <laughs> All those kinds of things. Whereas then it hits a bit of a stride and not that this one's, peaked yet by any hopefully not but uh um you know it hits that stride and you kind of like you relax and you just enjoy doing the show right like that's i would i would guess you know something like back to work i'm sure you're aware in general of the numbers but you're not checking them every five minutes of (laughs) excuse me of uh, how many people are listening i check i check i check some things every five minutes i'm not gonna act like i don't because you know everybody everybody wants to be loved and yeah but, but 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 two bad weeks in a row of traffic uh, would not be enough to make me want to throw in the towel for right. sure. Right, and that's what I mean. Like sort sort of you you relax and, and enjoy doing the show. You're you're running whether it's the show or it's a business. You're sort of enjoying doing it, and the numbers just kind of are there, and the dollars and all that kind of stuff are working, and you're, you're aware of them. But whereas I, I would guess there would come a point with this show where the the hassle of booking guests, preparing for it. Uh, record like having to listen to someone like it's it's one thing to interview somebody who uh, blogs let's say or is writing or uh, paints pictures but to interview folks who do a podcast it, it's just a lot of time spent researching and I don't want to do a disservice to them by not listening to anything they've done because I get people who want to be on the show now and so it's fun meeting new folks who are doing this and finding out why and how and all that kind of stuff but I don't have time to listen to every single episode that they've done obviously in preparation and so you know at some point, I would guess that would become more, uh, whatever, work painful than the reward of getting to talk to those folks and publishing the episode. And especially, especially if you're feeling frustrated about stuff like the money or the traffic. Yeah. Let's be honest. You know, the the uh, the internet for better or for worse um, provides us lots of kinds of feedback uh, about how we're doing. And for me, I I mean, I will look at something like how many people have retweeted a link to an episode. Um, I might, I might look at, you know, the download numbers. I might look at whether a lot of people have put it on HuffDuffer, um, all out of morbid and self-involved curiosity. But, but, but you know what I get out of that? I get, I get the feeling of being completely perplexed out of that. Whether that's You Look Nice Today's most popular and least popular episodes, which have nothing to do with my favorite episodes or least favorite episodes. It's really weird. <clears throat> um, I mean... <laughs> Looking, looking at the numbers for Back to Work, Dan's talked about this before, it's, it's mind-boggling how different 
our download numbers will be, um, I don't want to say from one week to another, but if you took a sampling of eight weeks of the show, um, for example, the shows we did about getting things done, a couple episodes of that were, were well above our usual number of downloads. But we'll do a show, uh, let's say in the abstract, a show that a lot of our fans really liked, that a lot of people are talking about. Something where people are making fan art. You know, ditto Roderick on the line. And it, it might be the smallest or second smallest number of downloads out of you know eight weeks. So what do I get out of that? Well, now I'm perplexed. Now, now what, so what do I do as a result of that? You know, that's, to me, that's always important to think about. When you apply your attention to something, you know, what do you change about yourself as a result? I have no idea what to change. What am I going to do? So now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go, in case you missed it, here's my fifth, you know, link to this thing. I know that's annoying. I struggle with that. I don't know how much of like pimping my own stuff I should do. Um, but all I can say is that one impulse that I, I've had sometimes, and I think a lot of people have a lot of times, is if, if I don't have what I want of this, I should either lower my standards or increase my amount of trying to promote. And that's not a bad thing to do, but there are people and shows that I enjoy who I wish would stop talking so much about what they do. If, if you would produce more great stuff, other people would do that for you. Mm-hmm. You know, the hard part is I understand the need to bootstrap. Um, in that case, if we're going to be cynical about this, let's be real cynical. Go to your most high-powered friends who love what you do and ask them to talk about it somewhere. It's cheesy, but I think it's more honest than trying to post the same thing on seven different platforms that's, you know, re, re, uh, retwittering your Tumblr and your Facebook and with the same beige, you know, name of an episode. And, you know, everybody does a little of that. This is our job. It's what we do. We got to promote it. But like instead, like, well, what's the show you want to have? Who, who would, who would want to talk about your show on your behalf? And what would they say about it? As they used to say, write the headlines. How would you love that to turn out great? Focus on that if you want. If, you know, if you're really serious about this and have a business, build metrics around that. Um, you know, there, it's, there's nothing cynical about wanting to succeed with what you do. There is something silly about trying to do that in a way that's not effective and then wondering what's wrong with the world. Um, but especially, you know, I, I get really frustrated sometimes with the, the, what I perceive to be the numbers on Roderick on the line. I've never done anything, including You Look Nice Today, that has more of an ardent cult following. And it makes me so happy. I, I can't believe the, the fan art that people make uh, about John. It's, it's, it's really incredible. And then I look at the numbers and go, this is really strange. In a way, it's a good thing because it, it means we haven't gotten to the point of being listened to by people who don't care. But <laughs> it is perplexing. But at the end of the day, that, that's what I get. I get perplexed. I go, why did so many people retweet this episode but not that one? And, and, and why am I suddenly asking what kind of person I am as a result of that? It doesn't make me feel better. It doesn't make me stop, but it also doesn't make me feel better. It makes me feel uh, weird and double insecure. <laughs> Which is fine for Merlin. It is so fine for Merlin. <laughs> Carrie? Yeah. Is that, was yeah. that her name? Carrie? Do you think that answered Carrie's question? I think question? so. I think she, uh, she sent me a message. I can't even remember it anymore. I should take more, more yeah, of my pills. The blue one, maybe. I love the blue ones. <laughs> uh, let's see. Where the... Uh, Oh, my notes are all over the place, but it's fine. The uh, that's fine for Chris. Um, the <laughs> the uh, with the back to work, something just completely different tangent here. No nice little segue other than me awkwardly talking for the last ten seconds. Uh, you recently just met for the first time, actually, which I think someone who jumped in. This is a, just a neat idea to me. Is someone who jumped in like my mom, who hopefully she wouldn't fall asleep listening back to work if she la- listened long enough <laughs> to you guys. Uh, she. She would probably need to lay down. Definitely. For sure. I mean, that's no, no, that's a given. Um, but she would assume that you guys have met first of all. That you're probably in the room together. If 
in some sort of, you know, never mind the fact that she doesn't understand podcasting and I'll stop picking on my mom, but you know, somebody who listens to it and just pictures a typical radio broadcast podcast show, you're in the same room, you're talking to each other, you have notes prepared that you're, this is when Dan's going to say this thing and you're going to joke about that. But you guys, I, oh, almost like an outline or a yeah. script. Like it's yeah. completely scripted. I assume it is on each episode, but, um, <laughs> people, people, people used to think that of you look nice today, which is totally understandable and completely not understandable. <laughs> Yeah, it's so strange to me to imagine us sitting there with even a like a retro script, like something with like, okay, here's the beats, like, you know, oh wow, that would be really challenging to do. That's, I think that's no tangent, but I think it's so hard for folks to understand the, uh, not to suck up to you, but like the talent that goes into making a show like you look nice today because it's, it is, it's not just, in as much as it is just three guys sitting around having a drink and talking, it's three guys who understand each other. Uh, and know how to play off each other and know how to riff and know how to understand comedy in a podcast it just happens to be in a podcast setting. And I think the, uh, the shows I've listened to when you've done live stuff and stuff, it's, you know, it speaks to the fact that you are legitimately talented in that. It's not just, <laughs> I, I appreciate you saying that it's, it's super nice, but I mean, maybe, maybe, um, another way to spin that if I may, uh, is that if you think about any team that you like, even if it's a sketch comedy team, not even if, but think about a sketch comedy team. Think about uh, sports commentators. Think about a panel news show. Um, and again, I mean, those may all be things that I'm not personally interested in, but I, I think it's fair to say that, um, or, you know, MacBreak Weekly would be another example. I mean, I think one reason you get a, you know, even if you are there primarily for the topic and, and the content tech or otherwise, um, it's the relationships and the fact that these people do have an under, have a relationship that you're interested in and that you understand. And like you think about a great sketch, especially from like an improv group, is like the whole point of that sketch is about what the audience can see about their relationships uh, of the characters that may or may not be obvious to the people on stage. That's what makes for good drama in some ways. There's somebody up here who doesn't know who they are and that's interesting. Or, you know, that's part of the conceit. Or something like when you listen to, you know, sports commentators, the way that they interact with each other uh, becomes a huge part of of why you like them. And, you know, this goes way beyond podcasts. I think any time, you know, to use that word character might be a little bit extreme, but maybe persona. You know, Dan and I understand, I think, I don't want to, you know, you know, spill the milk here, but like I think, I think we understand our characters on the show and our relationship on the show, and that leads to that rhythm. Same thing with "You Look Nice Today," and there's there's lots of shows like that, and and I think you tend to not notice that until it doesn't work. And if you hear people who sound like they're frustrated with each other, you know, one person is really doggedly trying to stay on stay on topic, um, and the other person obviously doesn't care and is drunk or something. Like if that's if that's the case there's no guarantee that that will be entertaining or long lived. Um, but I'm, I'm not, again, obviously I, I'm not just talking about podcasts here. I appreciate you saying that, but if, uh, if, if everybody involved is okay with the version of themselves that each person is being over time, then you can develop an on-air relationship or on camera relationship that people will, will come and watch. I mean, McLaughlin group, <clears throat> the way they, you know, when I used to watch that, I used to, I used to watch it just for them screaming at each other. Cause I, I liked their characters yelling at each other. You know, it's not that different from pro wrestling in a lot of ways. If two people sat down and went, well, item one, let's, let's discuss uh, all the things we disagree about with regard to our wrestling careers. Now let's go in and wrestle. 
Like that would not be interesting. You want somebody up there in a crown screaming and hitting somebody with a chair. I mean, that's why you show up. <laughs> so are you Hulk Hogan and, and Dan's Randy Savage or who's? Oh, yeah. No, I don't know. <laughs> I used to be really into pro wrestling when I was a kid. Me too, actually. I, it's it's a, a bit embarrassing to admit sometimes in certain company, but no, totally. Well, there are so many more embarrassing things to admit about being young. Yeah. Did, I, did, did that, that didn't really answer your question, did it? No, no, nothing. But it's fine. That's fine for Merlin, and it's fine okay. for this podcast. No, it did. It's, uh, mm-hmm. I think that's uh, something I know has, people have struggled with when they listen to shows and then the on-air persona versus what's reality maybe and not that reality is bad but that like this show is i think i would think is is a fair representation of of myself and what i presume to be you <laughs> but again you know there i'm still am putting on i don't normally walk around interviewing people on the street and and when I, when i'm talking with friends we're just kind of talking i don't have a list of questions prepared and all that kind of stuff so it is a bit of a on-air right. thing and and uh and I think there is that struggle as a podcaster, a broadcaster, and well, it it applies, like you said, to a lot of other realms. But limiting it even just to podcasting and and developing a bit of that, I think, for people who are getting into this, and and it has to be obviously true to you. But um, I think there's I think there's an analogy though that um, the best word I could think of is context. Think about the context for um, how you behave or speak. Think about how you think or speak in different contexts. The way that you would talk at holiday dinner when you're sitting next to grandma might be different from the way you talk to your supervisor during your um, annual you know, evaluation could be different from how you talk about the person that you have drinks with every week could be different from how you talk to your kid when it's time to get serious about you know, talking about why we don't play in the street. You're the same person in all of those instances. You may have the same values. You may have the same everything, but whether you realize it or not, you're modulating uh, the way you perceive other people and the way that you present yourself based on those contexts. And to think that being on a podcast is any different is kind of crazy. Um, you, you know, you, you don't have to be false, but you have to understand what what the context for that is to to respond appropriately. Do, do, do you yeah, know what I mean? Well, t- certainly, we all understand that. And I, on some level, we don't have to like it, but we can all understand that in life. So you know, we're performing. We're all performing. And if you think you're not, well, maybe you should look again. Because if you think enough of what you do to record it and ask people to listen to it, you're performing. And so, you know, if you are going to have a performance, it's not at all self-involved to understand, you know, what your character or or persona is. And it doesn't have to be a huge, big, strong. Think about Bill Moyers or Charlie Rose. Um, both, I think, extremely good interviewers. Um, and again, I don't know if you get it up there, but, you know, Terry Gross. There are people who are such good, Ray Suarez, people who are such good interviewers, and they're, they're great at getting good stuff out of their guests. With each one of those people, they may get slightly different good stuff out of their guests. Their demeanor may encourage that person to reveal different kinds of things about themselves. So it would be really facile to say that, oh, they are the interviewer, and here comes the interesting person. Um, because you've certainly seen things where you can tell the interviewer, uh, the interviewee is like, oh, God. But another kind of person like Jeff Bridges seems to really actually enjoy talking to Charlie Rose. I don't know why, but he does. It, make, it makes him happy. Me, me talking to iMike is, is just totally fun to me. It's not really increasingly less interview stuff and more chatting. But in, in each of those instances, you know, that person seems like this wholly formed entity that's probably always been that way. But that person had to iterate. That person had to learn. Uh, David Letterman uh, used to be a weatherman. 
And what he wanted to do did not fit into that context. Saying that there was hail the size of canned hams was not something that was appropriate in that context. And he struggled and struggled and struggled. He had a morning uh, talk show that was a total bomb. And it wasn't until he found that place at NBC uh, that things started to happen. And then you know what? Talking about things ending. And then it didn't work out anymore. He wasn't happy with where it was going. So he went to CBS. I mean, oh, that's good. That's fine for David Letterman. But he had to go through a lot of things until he found the context that got him what he needed and the audience that he wanted. So, you know, and things do end. So that's a downer. But I don't know. If, if, you, if you realize that what you're doing is a performance that, that you can always improve, um, but, but, you know, you have to trust whatever character you're doing or who you're being, you, I think you have to trust that person and um, stay true to that person unless there's a reason not to. Um, and then to think that there's not a character or person there, I can almost guarantee that what you're doing is not being not super interesting to people. Yeah, because yeah, even this, what I'm doing with you, is a character. It's a version of me. People listening get an impression of who I am, what I look like, what I sound like, all that kind of stuff. Normally, I don't talk into a Heil PR40 when I walk around <laughs> into a mic nice. stand and all that kind nice. of stuff. Kyle, yeah, wow. we're kind of just so we can appease the the folks who are listening who who need <laughs> gear talk. Finally, we finally get yeah, to the interesting yeah, stuff. <laughs> I have I bought I have no mic skills, and so uh, on the advice of I want to say Leo Laporte, I got a Rode Podcaster, which I think is the official microphone of people who are uh, on podcasts and don't know what they're doing. <laughs> um, with a with a really nice, uh, I like it. This Proline desktop boom. I don't have one of those big fancy ones. I've got one that I take on and off my desk as needed. Uh, I run the USB into my giant butt Dell monitor, um, and that goes uh, to my very 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 old Mac Pro. And uh, yeah, that, that that's pretty much it for that. My, my my greatest addition in the last year, my friend Jamie Phelps sent me this Logitech Bluetooth keyboard, which is so much more quiet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, when we very first started talking, you might have heard, pakada, 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 because I was still using my, um, what is it called? The uh, Tactile Pro. Right. It's it just so loud. Um, but now I, I have the presence of mind. I have this whole like crazy Howard Hughes ritual I go through before a show. I got to close the window, got to get the keyboard, got to set this up, got to turn off Dropbox. Um, that's huge. I mean, I think, I think a lot of people that are getting started don't, realize if you go and look at activity monitor look at your network you wouldn't believe how much stuff is running in the background yeah. that could be hurting your audio quality can i just give you some random tips is yeah. that useful at all not you but your yeah, listeners. Cool. whoever has the fastest connection generally should host the call i don't know why this is uh not to be ping pong but this is standard skype voodoo is that whoever has the fastest connection should host um you'll get a better quality even if you're not doing a double ender oh and god and from 45 minutes ago double enders are really hard do you do, do, you do a double ender Oh my god, it's so hard to yeah. do because I didn't know until recently. Double ending is where everybody records their own end, and then one person edits them together. And there's like a like a millisecond like differences in CPUs mean that over like an hour or an hour and a half, like it won't match yeah. anymore. Can you imagine how maddening well, what, that would be? To the fix? people who do do it, more power to you, I guess. But it seems so maddening to me. And maybe it's there's shows like uh, like you talked about Jason Snell doing Incomparable, where it's. Jason, you, you look nice today. We do that. Yeah, yeah, where it's, you know, you're chopping it all, all up anyways, and you're just dra- dragging bits around, like uh, digital bits, not necessarily comedic, I guess both. But yeah. anyway, yeah, yeah. and you're driving, dragging them around, and then you're not worried about time because you're chopping it all up anyways. There's no continuity that you're worried about. Whereas, yeah, you and I, this show, talking, it would just be painful. And I've tried to do, I, I help edit other shows where we try to do sort of a double-ender kind of idea, and it would just get out of sync, and then 
Uh, and gr- greatly increase, in my experience, greatly increases the production yeah. time. But you know, one thing I do is I, I uh, this is crazy, but I've got a little text file to remind me of all the things I need to do because the truth is, if I forget to turn off Dropbox, um, you know, there's going to be a lot of the show that we may have to throw away because you get robot voice. Something I did recently that's really silly, but has been helpful. The thing is, then I, I really want to remember to turn Dropbox back on. I want to remember to turn lots of stuff back on. So I created a, a folder with some um, symbolic links to the apps that I always want to remember to reopen. And so I open up that folder, select them all, and hit open, and I'm, I'm back up running. I think Brett Terpstra might have written an Apple script. I think there are Apple scripts and such out there that will that you can say, okay, go quit all of these all of these particular things every time I record. Right, yeah. I mean, I do sometimes if it's a really really like important thing, I'll like do stuff. This sounds nuts, but it's superstition. But I'll, I'll turn my iPad and my iPhone either into airplane mode or I'll shut it completely down. I don't want the vibrations being heard, but I also don't want that to be the time that it decides to update my calendar or Gmail or whatever. Because, you know, those, the, all those little things matter. They're all little things, but um, if you want to get better, you have to start trying more of those little things to improve the quality. But there's still a lot of black magic to it, you know, as you know. Uh, I, I don't know what the perfect, um, uh, like, you know, do you do AAC recordings? Like, like at what bit rate? I mean, I'm way over the bit rate that I need to put out a 64K mono um, podcast. But, you know, and then eventually you learn stuff like, was it Levelator? Like, I, I, Levelator makes things sound weird to my ears. Um, but every, almost everybody I, I, I know uses Levelator to, I guess, normalize the tracks. I use GarageBand, and I have these stock settings I, I've set up once that I probably should improve. But um, yeah, I've got stock settings for um, gate uh, and equalization. You know, John, John and I have such different timbre voices. Um, and I've tried to get it to where it's loud enough but won't distort. So anyway, all of that stuff is you have to experiment with it. But then, what's nice is kind of once you get it where you want it to be, it's you know it just goes. Except for Skype, which is always <laughs> Skype is like a roulette table. You just never know what'll happen. Oh, I see. It's you've changed my input. <laughs> oh, I see. You've moved my sound all the way down to where there's, there's no volume on the mic. Yeah. Thank you, Skype. <laughs> which is it's the fun part of doing this show where, where I'm obviously talking to other podcasters. And invariably, like <laughs> you got a troubleshoot. Yeah, from, <laughs> it's just like we are. We're going to have issues. We all know it, and we all spend the first five minutes swearing about Skype, and then I've been on shows where like they, people perceive themselves as like, well, you know, we're just a big shot operation, and they'll have what's that? This guy, his assistant, sent me this two page thing about how to record a podcast. And on the one hand, uh, just because I'm self involved, I was like, uh, uh, you know what, your your boss is having me on because I do this for a living, uh, but you know. That's fine. But then on the other hand, the funny part of that is that uh, most of the people who got that two-page sheet would either not read it or not understand it. It's one of those, like, please don't let your dog poop here kind of signs. Where <laughs> I wonder how, how you know, efficable it is. Yeah. But so the amazing thing about Skype or the frustrating thing about Skype, and, and Dan's talked about this a lot of places, um, Dan's experimented with a lot of things. And, you know, I've experimented with a few things. I've never found a better protocol. In Skype, I don't understand how Skype does what it does. It is like magic. The problem is with the app. In my in my experience, I'm using a very old version of Skype that is far from perfect, but it's far less imperfect than every version I've used since. So I use that. No, and then you got to mention Ecamm's Call Recorder is a terrific way to record your calls, and you can put in markers. But you do you record straight into Logic. I do. Yeah, I have. I was. Uh, I've said on the show a few times. I was the dumb one who 
got suckered into the <laughs> not not really, but following the the Dan and the Leos and the uh, getting into it. I think when mixers and all that kind of stuff was like, I need to do that because that's what you do and that's what the big people do. So um, Sue, my wife, can stop listening right now. I spent you know way too much money on this mixer. <laughs> I have the Mac Mini. You're talking, you know, and I've actually episode uh, not. To, well, I can do that. It's my show. Uh, episode 15 show. of this show, if you go back, uh, I will Tim have Smith right interviewed now. me to sort of talk about all the gear and he uh, walked, me, walked me through what I do because, you know, it's hard to sort of just talk about it yourself. So, um, yeah, so I do that. But but in hindsight, because it, it was that classic thing of, um, and not to say that I won't ever get there, but it was I'm going to do the podcast network and I'm going to be interviewing and having this big discussion show and in right, two months right. later, I'll have the Leo Laporte Skype monster wall thing behind me, and everybody's going to love it. And, and and then my mom falls asleep during the listening of a podcast, and there we go, <laughs> off to the races. But um, but yeah, it's I got a I got a really nice Mackie Mac mixer. If you want to, that I, I, I have so covered with yeah. dust. I bought, dude. I bought that. I bought. Uh, I forget. It's the one that Jesse Thorne, I guess, either used or he definitely recommended. I've got this sure mic with a big fuzzy thing on it and i bought a boom that i never installed i bought a uh an analog compressor i bought all of this stuff and this is how dumb i am chris i set all of that stuff up and spent two days trying to tweak it and it sounded way better when i plugged in my red podcaster again because yeah. sure I, I guess i could do all that and set it all up but right now i i with one hand i grab this boom which has my mic and my headphones. My headphones are hung on it. I grab that, I stick it on my desk, I plug something in, make sure the audio is all correct. And, yeah. you know, boy, that's the kind of thing that would make Dan Benjamin shudder. We recorded this live show at the Macworld studio on uh, Tuesday, and, and he spent like 45 minutes, like, just, like, he couldn't stop because he's Dan. He kept going on and on about, like, oh, they need this and they don't have that. And then I thought it sounded yeah, fine. It did. I mean, maybe I played in too many rock bands, but, you know, for people, but I understand that. I understand wanting your tools a certain way. I understand, like in my case, wanting to have Quicksilver and Text Expander. And for me to go to somebody's, it's the same thing, right? If I go to somebody's computer or their Mac and they didn't have Text Expander and Quicksilver, I'd be like, what's wrong with you? Don't, don't you know how to use this? <laughs> yeah. That's actually in, uh, we're reaching the, uh, yes. that, that point, but. Remember when we joked about it being two hours long? Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> um. I just got a text from my wife saying they're still at McDonald's with the, the kids, so there's, there won't be any McDonald's. Uh, noise. I hate McDonald's. Don't. Um, the pee on the slide. Because they don't have, oh, God, the ball pit. They probably don't have good we don't have We don't have ball pits anymore. But Actually, I can lay claim. I can say this on this episode, and then lots of people will listen probably, um, that my son is actually one of the, the sons, one of the kids who has peed on the slide at McDonald's. <laughs> so hey, that's good a, for him. Yeah, I mean, that's something we'll write in his yearbook or... You gotta, you gotta know who yeah. you are. You know what he I mean? Knows who you is or was? And it goes right down. Right? I mean, it goes, you know, gravity. Yeah. Well, so. the best part was is his friend, our uh, like our friend's kid, followed him, <laughs> followed him down the slide. <laughs> oh no, no, no! Secondhand yeah, pee is no, no fun, and and you feel bad, but what can you do? And then you leave, yeah, though, exactly. right? That's not very Canadian to do no, that. No, my wife apologized. She, she said, the, you know, she told the worker there and the person there and employee and. uh Ma'am, this is the first time anything like this has ever happened. <laughs> well, the funny, yeah, that's a that's a whole other story. But I don't I don't know if the employee understood what she was saying, and so there's a very good chance that I don't know how often those things get cleaned. So we don't go on the slide anymore. <laughs> Suffice to say, how is it meeting Dan in person? And whether it's Dan, but in your case, it's Dan. But somebody, oh, it was, it was and, and now doing the show oh, afterwards. Like, does it change the show? Does it feel weird? Is it 
just the same? You know, I, I don't think it will. It was it was uh, very, very strange to meet him. It's so odd to... Um, I kept saying to Dan, it reminds me of... I'm trying to think of a good example. Uh, Play It Again, Sam comes to mind, where Woody Allen's character is visited by Humphrey Bogart years after he's been dead. It, it really almost felt like I was talking to Benjamin Franklin or something. But like somebody who, who I was so familiar with, Right, I mean, the th- whatever thousands and thousands of words that we've exchanged over over the years, including emails and stuff before he was doing podcasts, um, that, or before he was doing podcasts that I knew of or listened to. Um, it's just strange to to have somebody in your life that is a, a kind of business colleague and and friend uh, that you've never met. It's I've heard this story a million times. You know, people who get get engaged and have happy marriages uh, with people that they've met on the internet. Um, but it always seems strange when it happens to you. So yeah, it was weird. Um, he's pretty much, uh, not exactly, but a lot like what I thought he would be, which is, you know, delightful and very funny and very fast, very slender and handsome. Uh, but it, it was absolutely very strange. Yeah. Yeah. I saw, um, Scott and Adam a couple nights ago, we did a little thing. Scott was doing some stand up at John Gruber's talk show thing and we did a little bit and yeah, it's strange. I mean, you get, you get older and like, um, you know, when you see your friends again, it's almost like nothing has changed in some ways. Like everybody's heavier and grayer, but not that much has, has changed. But uh, I, I still think it's weird. I still feel like I'm meeting absolute celebrities. Like when I, like meeting um, iMike, you know, Mike Hurley the other night, meeting, um, gosh, two of the most famous jackals from the 5x5 chat room where I was like, oh my God, I, I so know you and yet I don't know you. This is weird. Yeah. I met Dented Meat. I met, you know, it's it's just really weird. But um, that kind of answers your question. Yeah, I mean, it was it was weird to meet Dan. I don't think anything will change. I mean, it's uh, I, I think we've got a pretty established thing that we do. And I, I agree with you. It's it's I think that is a compliment that it sounds like we're in the same room. And it, I don't. I think the episode wasn't all that apart from the references to how Dan kept staring at me in a creepy way. I think I think it was um, pretty much like any other inscrutable episode of the show. Yeah, that's, I tweeted to you and Dan after I listened because uh, and just. That it, it, I think it's to again to your credit and and Dan's uh, the chemistry that you guys have that it didn't wasn't awkward it wasn't weird uh, it wasn't anything all that different um, and yeah thank you for saying so, that um, well we're probably out of time oh, yeah, we were out of time a long time ago my no <laughs> <laughs> I got all day the uh, I'll I'll do a little sponsor break for my buddy here and uh, while I'm doing that why don't you get your podcast list queued up and then. Then we'll wrap up after, in the second second hour. Bet it's a good idea. So I'd just like to thank Aaron Dowd for helping with the production of this episode. He's a huge Merlin Man fan as well, and uh, and you may have heard him on episode eighteen of this show if you listened back then. And uh, he did the post production on that episode, and he's going to do it on this episode as well. So if you're looking to hire somebody to help out with uh, post production, editing, um, any sort of fun stuff on the audio side of your podcast hit up aaron dowd over at aaron and so thanks to him for sponsoring this episode um i don't know if that was enough vamping for you to, to get I, i'm sorry I, I i did literally just run over and get my phone so i hope i hope no, i didn't miss no, anything was, important no, we're good so podcast you listen to yeah it looks like you're an insta instacast man yeah. too um, what do I listen to? I'm just looking at Instacast right now. Um, some of the, I'll take the ones I really look forward to. Um, yeah, obviously I got a Huff Duffer that, that I, I swear by. Yeah, I'll throw a link I just to can't say enough great stuff about it. Okay, yeah. terrific. That, that's, that's one I love a lot. Uh, The Incomparable, uh, hosted by Jason Snell and a rotating crew. They talk about things like movies and comics and books. Um, and you know, a lot of, a lot of science fiction, 
uh, fantasy, uh, you know, Doctor Who, Star Wars. They played D and D on the air one time. Uh, it's not. It's actually not as as ridiculously nerdy than it sounds. That's what I was going to say. Is it, been on, it, to me, it's like if you when you describe it that way to somebody, they picture you know the stereotypical nerds in the basement eating. But yeah, but it, that's actually a terrific example. But if you're listening to Serenity Caldwell, Dan Morin, um, John Syracuse, and Andy Anatka talk about those things, well, yeah. then that becomes kind of interesting because you may know their voices. In the case of uh, Dan and Ren, you know their writing uh, from from MacWorld. Uh, ditto, Jason Snell, and um, I think it's I think it's terrific. I was on I've been on two episodes of the show. One was talking about a Marvel comic called House of M, and then last week I was on the show about um, My Neighbor Totoro. And, um, it's, I don't know, it's just a show. It's really a show that I look forward to. I was honored to get to be on because I'm such a mega fan. Um, there, uh, if you want a place to start, I've said this other, other places, but if you want a place to start with the incomparable, I, I recommend, um, <laughs> their two part episode on star Wars episode <laughs> one, the Phantom menace, which I've listened to so many times because it's so freaking funny. If you're a kindred yeah. spirit as I, and they are on the quality of that film. And the expectations that were so jar jar when it came <laughs> That's out. That's a question I'd, I'd sort of put you know to random friends and stuff. I said you know, so I'm talking to Merlin Thursday. Anything you what what would you want to know or what would you ask him or whatever those kinds of things. And that's what one friend said. She's like, ask him about Phantom Menace. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> well, I've I've uh, I'm very very honored to say I've become pals with uh, Mike Nichols, otherwise known as the Phantom Editor. Right. And we had an unintentional mutual admiration society, and we become kind of. We haven't met yet, but you know we have phone calls and you know exchange thoughts. And what he did with the, both the Phantom Menace and uh, the second one is amazing. What's the second one called? Um, anyway, the one the, the really really bad one that's not all, that's almost as bad. But he's got a great DVD commentary. If you're interested in Star Wars stuff, go, uh, go back. I think it's called Attack of the Attack of the Phantom, and uh, he's got a wonderful DVD commentary track. I can recommend. Um, so here's a few more. Um, I'm kind of uh, a little bit on the fence about this, but I think it's definitely worth recommending to try out is Jeff Garland's, uh, podcast, by the way, Jeff Garland from Curb Your Enthusiasm and, uh, stuff. The, the big guy, he's the captain in Wally. Right. You know? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Septuous Centennial Cupcake in a cup. Um, he's, he's, he's a really, I saw him do, uh, one with, see him do a live thing with Rob Corddry and Michael Ian Black that was a riot. He's a very funny guy. Anyway, and he interviews comics like Tig, Tig Nataro. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. This week's Judd Apatow, uh, Conan O'Brien, Zach Galifianakis. Very funny episode. He does it live at Largo in LA. I like XNL Tech Podcast with uh, Casey Marco and John Syracuse. Um, I like I like Moises's podcast. Um, I listen to uh, to Giant Size and Screen Time. I like those. Depends a little bit on who he's interviewing. Like like a lot of shows. Um, listen to Mac Power Users. Here's the thing with Alec Baldwin. Um, and then, you know, again, some public radio stuff. I, I, I never miss on the media, which is a great podcast comes out on like Friday afternoons here. Uh, listen to every second of radio lab, uh, in this American life, the obvious ones. Uh, what else? Oh, I listen to Brett Terp's just systematic. Um, but then, I mean, so that's, that's, that's ones that I listen to every episode of, but you know, if you go look at my Huffduffer, you'll see links to my stuff that I've put up, you know, but you'll also see all the stuff where I'm kind of giving it a little, uh, taste or a try you know i heard chris i heard chris hardwick mentioned me on his show so i like i listened to that i like chris a lot i like chris a lot i don't listen to every episode of a show but i love chris hardwick very very much he's a he's a good pal um so yeah that huff duffer is uh enough said about huff duffer but to me that's really interesting because if you want to really find out what someone's listening to 
that's a great way to peek in and, and get a viewport into what's catching someone's interest right now. Yeah, that's why I wish I just I want more people to start using it because I want to find out what people <laughs> in a non creeper way. I totally, like, totally, I totally agree. Yeah, yeah, hear what they're listening to and all that kind of stuff. So, and you're a uh, incomparable in Instacast listener, right? App user as far as what you use. Yeah, I've tried a bunch of different ones, but uh, Instacast, I. I, I uh, you know, I'm interested to see what evolves with the Mac app. It's, you know, I'm fine with iTunes to just listen. I don't do any syncing. iCloud syncing on Instacast was a disaster for me. So I just listen on my iPhone. That's the one place. Or yeah, I'm sorry, let me put that differently. I have podcasts that I subscribe to on, on my desktop, my Mac Pro, that I will listen to like while I'm at work. But I, I, I spend so much of the day with these uh, painful ear, earbuds in and... Uh, I really, they're very poorly made, but I like them a lot. They're made by, uh, who makes my earbuds? I buy a pair like every two months. Um, oh my gosh, I'm having such a brain fart. Anyway, I, I, uh, on the phone, I always listen in Instacast. And then on my Mac, I always listen in iTunes. And I've, uh, something I learned about from uh, Brett Terpstra, the, something called Better Touch Tool, where you can assign custom commands to things. So I've got things like, I've got custom, you know, on Instacast, you can go back 30 seconds and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know I'm talking yeah. about. I wish every app was was that way. So yeah, I have custom key commands where I can jump back and forward 30 seconds on a podcast. Right. Great way. Like if you're getting to a point that's obviously going to be about something you're not that interested in, you just go tap, 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 tap and go forward a little bit. Every Gosh, I wish every app had that. So you should, uh, I don't know if you gave it a spin, but Instacast for Mac actually came out. I don't know. I got it the day it came out. I grabbed it and I was okay. like, hmm. No, no, no. And you know, I love Instacast. It's just, it, it feels like a little bit of an island. Yeah. Um, and it's still very young, so I'll, I'll wait and see, but I don't know. There's some kinds of, um, you know, I think people use the phrase third party wrong a lot of the time. I think they often mean second party. (laughs) It's not, it's not an Apple app. It's just, it's not an Apple app. There's no third party involved, (laughs) I guess. Maybe I'm the third party. I don't understand what that means, but, um, you know, where possible, I'll run an Apple app. Um, but then there's a bunch of stuff that I I couldn't live without on my Mac and my uh, iPhone. But yeah, yeah, that's 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 what I do, and you know, I I don't make any giant attempt to keep up with things. I will frequently go through my Huffduffer thing and go, oh well, you know, I'll just I don't I don't really need to have that on here. I don't want it staring at me, you know, slide right. Um, but uh, no, it's great, and podcasts are a source of a great source of joy for me. Um, I, it's difficult if I'm doing anything approaching real work, whether that's writing or especially audio. Uh, I can't listen to them, uh, so I listen to music. But yeah, a lot of my day that's uh, that's my only friend is podcasts. Yeah. And I'd be remiss as a Canadian and a CBC listener to not ask you about, uh, I think, I don't know if you've recently been on, but I know at various points you've been on CBC Spark oh, with, with, with Nora. Nora. Yeah, yeah. She's awesome. Yeah, so just, Nora, Nora Young, yeah, right? Yeah. She's so charming. Is that How did that come about? Is that just because, you know, you're a, you're a tech pundit? Because of, um, <laughs> pundit, cause yeah, because I'm a pundit. No, they're, um, I want to say Dan Meisner, I believe was his name, is a, a producer there, fantastic guy that had me on few episodes and we did a little series one time i don't think i don't think it's anywhere approaching the best stuff i've ever done um it was okay i think no no meaning i did okay yeah. it wasn't great but it was a real honor to do um i've got a cbc shirt you know with the with the pizza on the exploding yeah. pizza on it nice. um i'm a fan but um yeah and i used to have three sloan shirts so but then i had to get rid of a bunch of t-shirts but yeah no that was really cool it's always it's really weird to be on like a real thing it's very odd yeah. i have to heavily modulate my thing for something where it's going to be cut up into a short thing it's very odd yeah that would be weird to hear 
can't believe you remember that. Wow. Well, a long both time ago. Two, I, I did remember, but then actually I was uh, speaking of other people. I was talking with my brother-in-law yesterday and he had, you know, it's one of the, again, I wasn't aware that he was aware of you in his world, but it was through Spark. He had said he'd heard of, heard of you and then oh, he, so I mean, he subsequently followed you on Twitter and, and stuff like that. So, Wow. That's so, bananas. Tell him I said Paul. hi. That's super nice. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I think uh, that's probably enough for folks to digest. Should uh, probably uh, take, take a bio break and come back for another yeah. couple hours. I got to gotta pee <laughs> <laughs> i appreciate you having me on this has been a lot yeah of no fun. it has and uh i've i've loved it and i really appreciate you putting aside the uh nearly two hours now that uh we've done to chat and maybe for episode 40 or episode 200 whatever some some future episode will have you back on and when, no question have me have me back uh, any, any launched your secret new project or whatever ends up happening there. <laughs> Yeah, if you find out what it is, okay. let me know. <laughs> so where can folks, uh, if they're not completely aware, where can folks find you, follow uh, you? I, I would just say, um, podcast-wise, just go listen to uh, Back to Work. It's pretty good, um, you know, which is uh, 5x5.tv slash B2W. Um, and I, I really, really love uh, Roderick on the Line, uh, which you can get to easily by going to RoderickOnTheLine.com. That's plenty. That's plenty. I'm, I'm in other places. Don't follow me on Twitter. But I'm out there in other places. You can find me. What episode of Roderick would you plenty. say is a, besides the audience? Oh, that's a... Oh, ah, which one do you think of? Super oh, no, I just, well, yeah, but I was going to say like episode one, I guess, besides just starting at the beginning. Oh, oh, you... oh. Episode one's important. Keep moving and get out of the way. Zero, I'm trying to think of vomit, but... recent... Yeah, it's true. Uh, what, is, what, is, what are some really good ones? Um, Campfire Spaghetti Party's pretty... I'm trying to look for a recent one. Campfire Spaghetti Party's pretty good. There's one we did recently that was really funny, I thought. Um... So ketchup is hard to remove. Yes, ketchup is hard to remove from a few weeks ago was pretty funny. And also Diddling as the MacGuffin was pretty good too. They're all pretty good. I mean, the, the canonical episodes are, I think, um, Super Train, uh, Dead Rubber Girl in, in, my clo- in My Closet is, uh, I think that's where, that's where we started to really turn a corner. In the same way that like talking about, you know, Estelle Getty having dementia on You Look Nice Today, I think that's where things and, and you know, her, her, her being um, a traveling barber where uh, Morgan Friedman would play her testicles. That, I felt like we really turned a corner on that one. <laughs> this will be the, the episode I'll, I'll send to my mom to start with. Oh, that's so sweet. Please tell her I said hi. <laughs> All right. And <laughs> if you can't get a testicle joke in there somewhere. You're not doing it right. Yeah. Uh, so my thanks to Merlin. My thanks to you folks for listening. Of course, uh, I'm on Twitter, I, Chris. And if you found this somehow, somewhere, Huff Duff or maybe iTunes, uh, some sort of weird search, you came across this episode. Uh, you can find more episodes like this at ssktn.com. Show Me Your Mic is the name of the show. Uh, of course, SSKTN on Twitter and the Facebooks and stuff. Uh, my thanks for listening and have a great day. Thanks for listening to Show Me Your Mic on the SSKTN Podcast Network. Follow along on Twitter at SSKTN or like us on Facebook.com slash SSKTN. Be sure to visit SSKTN.com for interviews with other podcasters, as well as learn about other shows we produce, such as Welcome to the Internet, Too Lazy to Blog, and Lost in Lemon. Lemon.